Yeah. Today is a, a little different than the usual. I'm back home in Maryland. Took a last minute flight. Came to work on a documentary. I can't even lie, y'all. I'm tired as hell, you know. Flew out here straight off of my final. I had to lie to my teacher, tell him I was having technical difficulties. <laughs> that was bullshit. I was packing, trying to hurry up and rush back home. Had to reschedule a bunch of photo shoots. Everything usually works out, though, you know? I feel like I owe a bit of an apology for the last episode, you know? Uh, not that my truth should ever come with apologies, but I just felt like it was so dark, you know? Like, it was so dark in comparison to... How I really am. I was just in a bad space, man. That, that rent comes up. It can just get so crazy sometimes when you really paint the picture of your truth. It's out of your control. I, I noticed a couple more people checking on me than usual last week. And uh, I appreciate the love. I appreciate you guys. I swear I do. But, uh. The last thing I ever wanted was people coming at me like, you know, hey, man, if you need some money, you know, (laughs) it's never about that. Never about that at all. Um, And like I said, I would figure it out one way or another. God always makes a way. That rent is paid. A roof is over my head for another month that we move on. But this week's episode isn't about that. This week's episode is uh, kind of a pivot, you know. I was working on my finals and had some graduation photo shoots set up and my man from back home, my man John, he goes by Truth, makes music and go, man. Called me and said, hey man, I got an urgent opportunity for you. I need you to come home, man. Come on home. Fly you out right now. Alright, let's do it. And here I am in the DMV again, you know. Home sweet home. DMV's finest. There's nothing like our culture, man. We grew up with so much swag. We had so many uh, independent like things about our city in particular that made us stand out from neighboring areas. And I think it's important to put emphasis on how the impact of being from PG County and DC has played a direct role in my development, on my confidence, on my outlook as an adult now. And uh, it really starts from young, you know. So this episode here is going to be called Home Sweet Home. And uh, I'm only here for one more day. Haven't had an opportunity to see anybody I love, but I'm working. I'm getting it done. I definitely feel that at home culture. So I want to take y'all on that journey. Ride with me. Episode 10, Home Sweet Home. Grew up in Hydesville, Maryland. Spent a great deal of my time as a child in Riggs Park, Northeast, Washington, D.C. Both of my parents have parents who lived in 
Riggs Park, which is interesting to find, you know, two people from the same neighborhood who <laughs> didn't really grow up hanging out together, nothing like that, you know. I always ask my parents how they met. Like, how'd y'all meet? I'm just curious, you know. And uh, they didn't, it was like they lived, like they had knew of each other, but they didn't really, you know, the same age and everything. I think they went to kindergarten together, if, if anything, over at LaSalle. And um, they never really like hung out or met like for real, for real. And so they were older, you know. And uh, it's a thing like it's hard to explain what being from D.C. is like or being from P.G. is like without like being from there. (laughs) But I'm going to do my best, you know, because it's important to my development, you know. Being from D.C. is like the coolest thing in the world. But there's a lot of politics to it, you know, because I'm not from D.C. Surprise, surprise. Close your eyes. That's right. Uh, You learn when you move away from home that you have to say you're from D.C. in order for people to understand where you're from. Because when it comes down to it, you know, if you say, oh, I'm from Maryland. People just assume, you know. Oh, Baltimore? And it's like, no, not Baltimore, nigga. Like, <laughs> it's a whole different fucking state as far as we concerned a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? So you say D.C. because the culture here in, in PG County is so much more specific to the greater DMV culture. And the greater DMV culture is rooted in D.C. culture. You know, it's go-go, it's mumbo sauce, it's Nike boots, it's dreads, it's... Washington Nationals fitted is slang terms like Joe and Mo and Young and Sison and Wellen and uh, you know Kill and <laughs> you know if he was like who who is Mo and why is everyone trying to kill him <laughs> and they could really be like Kill Mo yeah. I was at shit last night. Shit was Jai. Yeah, for real, you know. Hey, was Jai slicing it, though. Hey, let me get a uh, three-piece mumbo with a half and half. Salt and pepper on the fries. <laughs> Anybody who's from the DMV going to understand what I'm talking about. And uh, it's funny because I've moved around a bit. I did end up moving to New York for about four years. I moved to New Jersey for about two. And now I live in Los Angeles. So for the most part, I know my listener core base is a little spread out. And everywhere I've been since I left home, you know, they always make fun of my accent. They say I'm country, which I'm like, if you want to hear somebody country, listen to somebody from Florida or Georgia or, <laughs> I don't know, fucking Arkansas or some shit. Like, that's some country shit. Like, we not country, but I guess we got a little bit of twang in comparison to, like, people up north in Boston or, you know, goddamn, uh, you know, New York, and Connecticut, 
them type places even in los angeles they got kind of a country little twang themselves but they just where are we the countryest people in the world but i say all of this to say right going back to this idea like what it means to be quote unquote from dc right you go out of town and and, and people just assume when you say maryland is is baltimore and pg county maryland is literally five minutes from dc so we do all of the things that people in dc do we ride the metro and we eat the same foods and we talk the same and most of us are originally from dc or our families are from dc and end up moving to uh pg county which is a little nicer you know more suburban it's still close enough to the city there's a lot of uh government jobs and opportunities like that there and in uh the city in dc because you know federal territory federally regulated but then at the same time you know you got maryland right next door pg county and montgomery county and beautiful beautiful homes i'm talking about pg county is one of the richest black counties in the country till this day you know uh black wealth black luxury we're doing good you know I'm talking about even before, like, you know, they started gentrifying D.C. and everything like that. Like, it's just a great area to to live in, to raise a family in and all of that. You know, it's expensive as hell, too. I can't lie. It really is. Uh, but we just have such rich culture. I think I've spoken in past uh, episodes about the idea that we have kind of a militant mindset. You know, you might meet a nigga that's like, you know, Fat Trail or Fat Trail is a local reference. Okay, so you might meet a nigga that's like Gucci Man or some shit like that. And that same nigga might be Malcolm X in the same regard. <laughs> you feel me? Like, that's the difference. They they are two in one. They, they, it's such a unique kind of culture where it's kind of gangster, but everybody is also extremely self-aware and conscious you know you'll see a lot of dashikis and dreadlocks and some people got dreads because they really on some nigga shit and other people got dreads because they really conscious as hell you know some people's dreads gonna smell like <laughs> sweat and weed and the other ones gonna smell like frankincense and myrrh <laughs> and it might not be the ones you expect either you can't just you know judge a book by its cover ever but you know there's also this little weird kind of petty dynamic the dmv as a whole dmv stands for dc maryland and virginia and that's more of a unified kind of term that came out through radio uh during the blog era you know there was a time when blogs ran hip-hop and we had a lot of people who was pumping out of this area who was doing really well and when it came to radio they used to just you know put it all together and say oh these are dmv artists you know it represents the the uh almost like tri-state kind of culture you know and that just kind of spread like wildfire everybody started referring to it as the dmv you know it was a, a, a way to stand out and we knew exactly what it was but prior to the term dmv which really didn't start coining until about maybe like 2008 2009 if i remember correctly you know um 
it was kind of a, a division kind of thing, you know. If you talk to real city old heads, like you know, if you're from DC, they say you're from the city. If, if you talk to real DC old heads, city old heads, they'll they'll still tell you like, man, you a Maryland nigga, man. You not no, you not no DC nigga, man. You from Maryland, and that's supposed to mean something, you know. It's like for for years, <laughs> PG County niggas was getting chumped. Like just the reputation of it was like a thing. It was like. Oh, you not from the city. If you from the city, somehow you were supposed to be more authentic, you know? So it's interesting the dynamic that that holds growing up for me with both of my parents being from Riggs Park. You know, I got my Uncle Mike. I referenced him in pre- previous episodes. You know, what's up, shorty? Hey, what's going on, player? Like, he got this raspy voice and... He cool and he got all the wild war stories and everything else like that. And, you know, Riggs Park has a historical lifelong beef with Michigan Park, which Michigan Park is literally like less than five minutes from Riggs Park. It's like right next door. Like you, you could walk across the street and nobody knows why they've been beefing for years. Hopefully, I don't even know if they still beef for these days, but. I think that's a part of the D.C. culture thing, too, right? We don't have gangs. We have neighborhoods, you know? So it, it was so cool to, like, you know, think of all how my, my parents grew up and them just being from the city and that pride that you have from being from D.C. and everything like that. And they tell all of these stories about being young and, on the scene and all these different kind of things and it's funny because when you grow up in an area that looks more suburban uh and you know you could tell the difference in the fashion you could tell the difference in everything like a, a, a depending on which part of the city for you from you might be from uptown you're gonna be a little more flashy you know uptown's like northwest kind of like northeast area ish you know what i'm saying and you got the south side that's southeast you know and then you got of course southwest which is where all the money and the business is in dc and um you know south side is more like supposed to be gangster it's more thugged out you know it's dirty is <laughs> what they call you it's dirty southeast niggas be dirty is what they say you know very like they wear bigger clothes and it's usually all black you know uptown nigga might wear all black but he gonna have like a pop of neon green and purple and some shit on his north face you know it's still the same clothes still the same polo boots nike boots whatever the fuck maybe but the uptown nigga might have it like the, the more exclusive lime green type john or whatever or something like that with a little pop on it and then you get somebody like a, a pg nigga he got the the real colorful J might not even do the lime green. He might have like a, but it's still going to be like primary colors. You know, he might have like a, a North face that got red and blue and yellow in it or something like that, you know? And it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's all the same it, to stuff to an outsider. They might not know the difference, <laughs> but it just, you can tell it's like the PG nigga can get that little, you know, red, yellow, and blue North Face because they could probably afford it because they're coming from the money side and it's a little bit better and they pop out a little more and the regular all-black North Face might be a little bit cheaper even though they're still going to drop that bag on it. 
At least that was my understanding. I could be making shit up, but that's that was kind of my understanding of how the style kind of works. But everybody has their own relationship to this shit. So there's so many different things. It's fashion, it's food, it's the way we talk, it's the way we walk, it's all these different things. And it, it kind of feels like I'm rambling a little bit and jumping around, but these were all a part of my foundation. You know, I remember we had all of these different DC house brands, you know, like Shooters and Scrapers and Vusi Makunu and All Days, you know, and all these different things like, uh, you know, Hustlers. and It's like these little, it's hard to explain unless I could show a visual with it to go with it so you really understood but like when I say it's some of the flyest shit <laughs> it's like these little like beanie hats that's like thin they're not like you know like a traditional like a winter hat it's almost like a scully but they would like have the words going all down the sides and shit like that and they would have sweatsuits that went with them people would rock the keychains and socks you know like slouch socks it's real fly shit it's real fly shit and 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 nobody dresses like us that's one thing that i can say confidently i think that's a big part of why i'm always complimented on my style everywhere that i go because even though i haven't really i I think i talked in a previous episode about the fact that one of my exes was a fashion designer and i learned a lot about fashion from her as she was learning in school, I was soaking up stuff too, but I've always kept that DC nigga flair with my shit, and it made me stand out a little more, you know? And um, you could tell I'm, I'm, I'm from DMV anywhere I go if you're from the DMV. Like, if I end up in Texas and there's another DMV nigga in Texas, no matter what I'm wearing, he gonna look and kind of be like man you from back home ain't you just like yeah you know like you know (laughs) it is it's no dead giveaway other than the fact that we just know ourselves you know we know the type of style that we wear i could go shop strictly at target and it's gonna look like i'm a dc nigga by the way that i put it together by the things that i choose the pieces i choose the way that i do it and it's hard to explain but it's something that we really take pride in you know so when your parents is from the city but you grew up in maryland the whole time i remember there was times when i was younger as a kid i literally would like i don't know why you ever just lie about some shit and you don't know why you lie i used to just lie sometimes like i would just be like i was it was almost like i wasn't ashamed to be from pg county but they'd be like where are you from i'd be like i'm from riggs park you know what i'm saying it's like you're not from rig so I, I don't know i think there's a part of me too i can't say that as if i'm sitting here saying i used to lie i don't think it's so much that i was lying i think i didn't understand the concept of where you from until you get older like high school age wherever you from is like where you move at and when i say where you move i mean like where you make your moves and shit so technically speaking if we want to keep it a stack i might be from green belters or shit you know like <laughs> when i was in high school I spent mostly all of my time in Greenbelt because I was going to Roosevelt with a fake address. But, you know, New Carrollton is where I lived the longest in my lifetime. So I I guess that's why I would say I'm from New Carrollton. 
But up until the point where we moved to New Carrollton, it was always really hard to say, where are you from? Because we moved so much. Like I said, we had lived in Brentwood. We had lived on Cox Avenue. We had lived uh, in Hydesville. We had lived in, like, it, it seemed like we was just moving from school to school to school to school. And um, the foundation of everything is where your grandparents are, you know, the matriarch and the patriarch, you know. So literally all of my grandparents was in Riggs Park, with the exception of my father's mother, you know. So it was just easy to be like, oh, our family's from Riggs Park. And that's the way that I used to reference it. Like, my family is from Riggs Park. But once again, as you start to get older and you realize how, I guess, quote unquote, hood politics works. Don't nobody give a fuck where your family's from. Where are you from? You know? (laughs) So by the time I started getting closer to high school age, where that type of stuff mattered, because where you're from could actually get you, you know, into issues or not. You know, imagine I'm at a party in high school, hanging out with some folks and somebody we don't know pulls up on us and, or we in the city hanging out by Howard or some shit like that. And niggas hit you with, you know, where you, where y'all from? Where you come from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Riggs. And they happen to be from Michigan. And Riggs and Michigan is beefing. Or Riggs is beefing with somebody else. And then all of a sudden it's like, now you caught up in some shit that you ain't even had no business in. And you don't even have a connection to. You grown and moved all the way around. So it's like the only thing you could be doing if you claim in that area and you're not from there is like trying to pull up some sort of clout, like some sort of street cred, like, oh, yeah, I'm from Riggs. And it's like even still nobody cares where you're from because it's like either you gangster or you're not, you know, <laughs> either you with the shits or you not. So, you know, being in L.A. nowadays is real interesting because when they ask you where you from, it's only based off of the idea of whether you are blood or crip. And even still, it don't really matter where you from if you don't bang, because you're going to be like, man, I don't even bang, so it don't matter. Leave me alone. For me, that was kind of the same kind of thing. As I started to get older, people were like, where are you from? I would either say New Carrollton, because New Carrollton is kind of neutral. New Carrollton don't really have no hoods. Um, I shouldn't say that. It's it's So the way that you determine like your hood is based off of, like, go-go culture right we have this type of music it's called go-go and go-go historically in dc was more popular than hip-hop there was a time when hip-hop was young and hip-hop was popping off as a new genre and at the same time go-go was born so on a national scale to keep it honest if we wanted like Go-Go could have been its own genre of music equally as big as hip-hop is today. The only difference is that in classic DC nigga fashion, DC niggas wasn't trying to sell out. (laughs) You know, so up in New York, they had the whole like hip-hop thing going and eventually it kind of crossed over and people was cutting records and everything else like that and I think DC niggas kind of have this be so hard mentality it's like the band they never wanted to sell out they never wanted to sell their records or you know get screwed over by a label or whatever like if them label deals was looking real shady 
back in the days, you know? That stuff with, like, you know, NWA and shit, and they're dealing with Jerry Heller and shit like that. Like, yeah, they, they, DC niggas definitely would have been hanging some niggas out of some windows and shit. Like, <laughs> it just wouldn't have ended great. There's so many different things that play an impact on DC's history, and drugs is a huge thing. Like, crack, crack hit the city like a motherfucking tidal wave, you know? Cocaine as well, but cocaine is the base for crack and crack killed dc so there's this kind of like ruthless do or die killer be killed mentality that came with crack i mean the the average square nigga was somehow involved in the streets whether he was a runner or at the go-go's involved like even if you wasn't involved you was involved somehow you knew somebody who was involved and anything could make you a liability because if somebody wanted to hurt you they could hurt the people closest to you you know so it was like the 80s and 90s was so dangerous in dc for anybody because it was like the murder capital like they was it was bad it was bad you know it was this guy his name is rayful edmonds and he was like the biggest uh crack distributor in the dc area and his cousin wayne perry was like the biggest hitman hundreds of bodies on him and wayne is so scary man you know wayne perry has been shouted out by like every major rapper hustler you know jay-z even came through what was that song you talking about this is my wayne perry though this is my wayne perry flow y'all know about wayne perry though district of columbia guns in your tumblers you know what i'm saying like all types of folks just been you know, Biggie referenced Maryland and D.C. and all this other type of shit. Fucking Kanye, you know, crack. Raised the murder rate in D.C. and Maryland. We invested in that. It's like we got Merrill Lynch. It's, it's so many different references to how bad this shit was. But, you know, I done worked on a documentary about Wayne Perry three times. And it's been shut down three times. One of them, I believe, was from HBO. And they still shut it down because the streets shut it down. And it's like, we're not about to reopen nobody's cases. We're not about to give out no extra information. Like, <laughs> it's very serious. That mentality that it takes to survive in the streets during the Ronald Reagan crack era of the 80s and 90s, man, it trickles down. It trickles down into the next generations and that is the basis of this idea of like you know oh you you Maryland nigga we city niggas because the thinking was if you lived in somewhere like pg county where the suburbs are and the nice houses and all that other type of shit you had opportunity you ain't got no reason out here in the streets you know but if you was in dc it was the grime the grind and the grime you know <laughs> you was probably out here and lo and behold you know a lot of these dc families and individuals who it was so much money coming through the crack game and not to mention like i said we got government jobs so there's a lot of money here either you getting money the right way doing you know as a security guard or some shit or like some little bullshit any 
Library of Congress, any type of random bullshit job that they got for the government is paying good money. I got hella friends who got government jobs, you know what I'm saying? And then there's just other things out here, too. There's so many just black entrepreneurs, black businesses, black everything, black excellence. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of opportunities. And, and if you want to go the wrong way, you could do that, too, through drugs. And even though people was getting killed left and right, and even though people was getting locked up left and right, trust and believe there was some people out here who was smart enough to stay off the radar, under the radar, and out the way. And them niggas, when they did, where do you think they moved to? To PG County. (laughs) So you got a lot of byproducts of that, too. The same way that I said, Oh, yeah, my parents was from Riggs Park and it just felt so cool, like knowing that, you know, your parents had such extravagant past experiences and it's so exciting and so culturally based and all that. You know, imagine a kid who parents was up in the thick of shit. Oh, yeah, we was with the original Go-Go. We was out there with Chuck. Talking about Chuck Brown. Chuck Brown's the godfather of Go-Go, the inventor of Go-Go. We was back there with Rare Essence and EU and Junkyard and all these bands, Go-Go band, you know. And then most old head DC niggas, whether they've up and moved their family to PG or not, will always do the same thing. Yeah, y'all, y'all wouldn't know nothing about that. Y'all Maryland kids, y'all little shorties. You know, y'all just need to go ahead and be. It's like a thing. It's like. Their way of saying, we paid our dues, we paid our stripes. Y'all just go ahead and be Maryland kids. But what they're also doing is they're challenging you. They want to see how tough you are. They want to see, could you have survived in our time? So it'd be little shit like, you know, they'll ask you little shit like, oh, yeah, you got hands? You got hands, shorty? Are you out here? You getting girls? Oh, yeah. You be out here, huh? Oh, you don't know nothing about that. What you know about that? It's it's a challenge. And kids will always step up to the plate every single time. So I used to joke around and say sometimes, you know, like there's areas like I I reference Bowie is a really nice area, you know, (laughs) a really nice area. Sometimes you can have a Bowie kid, in my opinion, that's scarier than coming across like serve some quarters nigga or some shit like that or a paradise nigga you know whatever just because in the wrong hands and with the wrong mentality that buoy kid could have more to prove to himself than he does to his boys you know if you around the way and you on the block and everybody's fucked up it's like nigga we all fucked up so you don't gotta prove to me how hard you are nigga you live right next to me (laughs) But if you living in a mansion in Woodmore, Fairwood and Bowie or wherever the fuck, you know, and your parents moved you out of there, you're in Annapolis, you know, and your folks got old D.C. buddy and old D.C. experiences and reminding you constantly every single day that you a Maryland kid. Now you go out to a go-go because you are in school and you're just hanging with your friends and everything like that. And you from Bowie and you don't got no business nowhere. And somebody steps to you with that shit. And you like, what? I don't care where I'm from. And you might move. You might understand 
the codes of the the shit that you want and you move and you take it too far you into gunplay or you want to go and rob niggas just because off no morals or off no because you didn't have the environment around you to you know to doctor that up in the way that it, it, it should be with morals you know one thing i would say too and I, i've moved around enough to see and this is no offense to nobody but the, the facts the facts you know new york niggas move grimy it's like very rarely any loyalty to folks we said the same thing about baltimore niggas a lot of times you know it's like the loyalty is is little to none when it comes to a pinch like baltimore niggas is closer to dc niggas in the regard that they will be loyal but if it's a me or you think they, they, they just struggle so hard like baltimore is some of the worst poverty i've ever seen in my life if it's me or you it's like they choose like it's me you know new york niggas just snitch <laughs> i hate to say they have a notoriously bad history of all of their street niggas snitching whether it's on each other or on niggas from other cities very loud and animated and shit gets too hot they bail out you know and then you know places like la where i'm at now it's like niggas are just so separated because of gang politics and culture and shit like that and it's like they have this other kind of subculture of everybody like having to prove that you know you a man i'm a man i'm gonna test your nuts type shit you know and dc just doesn't really have that same like it as much as it is that it's not because it's really community oriented people will come through for the community first i've been in situations before growing up where you know i had folks who really did not like each other at all like i mean borderline want to kill each other type shit but the way that community works is that because i'm a good person or i I can't i'm not supposed to be able to say i'm a good person but other people would say i'm a good person right because i have had real moments with people where we talk about god and spirituality and i didn't help them when they was on their last and vice versa and we done been through you know everything together like i could come and be like bro for me bro please i'm begging you like not today can we let that go and niggas will squash some shit for you one of them will leave and it's not just a for you thing but it's like a community thing you know i was given an example when i first moved out to la it was a situation where uh i guess the the mexicans and the bloods had popped off at one point and then the bloods and the crips started popping off even heavier and it was like some post nipsey shit that was really crazy and i think an old person that got hit i think some kids that got hit and i was referencing how i guess in 2018 at that point which was like well maybe it's 2017 one of the two it was like some murders that was going on retaliation back to back to back to back southeast or whatever and then um a little girl had gotten killed and that's the the worst type of tragedy you know because the code should say you know families generally off limits you know women and children type shit old folks and when a little girl gets killed somebody has to step up for that and i feel proud to say that back home here that happens you know like 
is really some accountability for it. And, 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 and it's not just the person saying, I'm sorry, I killed a little girl. Nah, it's the streets hold you accountable. Like the streets will come up to the real folks who's out there. You know what I'm saying? The politicians, the rappers, everybody, they come through and it's, it's pressure. It's like, hey, look, man, you got a week to turn yourself in. This little girl got killed. You have a week to turn yourself in or we have a problem. It's not just the police, you know, so it's almost like the, the communities police themselves to some extent. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's just the best because this D.C. isn't perfect, but we got some things right that a lot of places really don't, you know. Um, and it is it, is something that I'm proud of, something that I'm proud of going so many different places. But I just know that being from this area, I didn't recognize as a child how my mentality was being molded but what I was learning through a lot of childhood experiences was how to you know what they say we say be solid you know be a solid nigga it's like yo don't talk about shit that you don't have no business talking about because you're not in it and people's lives actually be on the line so mind your business and stay out the way. You don't talk too much when people's around who you don't know. You know, you just respect folks, like literally just respect folks. That's it. Don't put your hands on on, on, on no guns if you're not uh, really about that. Because you might end up being an accident murderer. You know, um. And little thing like respect for women. Like I feel like, and I don't know how the DMV ladies will feel about this shit, but I feel like, especially after traveling so many different places, we have a really strong and real inherent respect for women on a level that just goes beyond what I see in other places. You know, it's the little things that we take for granted here that you go other places and you go, oh shit, y'all don't do that's the bare minimum. You get on a train, you see a woman get on the train, the train is filled up. A man's going to get up and say, man, would you like to sit down? Any age, especially if it's an old woman, though, but any age, you see a woman get on the train and it's filled up. Go ahead, man. You you got it. You want to sit? You want to sit? Okay. And it's not just because they trying to fuck. It's not just because they trying to be charming. It's because it's just what we learn. You know what I'm saying? Like if you walking down the street, and you see a dude faking on a woman and they arguing or some shit and he put his hands on her. I promise you it's going to be a couple of niggas on that street who going to step up like, hey, chill out, chill out. What you doing, bro? Like, that's a woman. And they going to let you like, I don't care. I don't care if what the situation is. I don't care if I don't know y'all. I don't care about any of that shit. You're not about to put your hands on a woman in front of me. And there's a lot of instances in where that will happen. You know, a lot of instances where people will step in and defend, like, you know, our women. It's sad because there's still too many instances where we don't. But 
mind you right now i'm not trying to offend anybody else's truth because i know i got a lot of homegirls who'd be like niggas not shit y'all don't be on that but it's like y'all i'm talking about comparatively to like other cities i've been and i've been to plenty <laughs> it's different it's just different here we 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 are some of the best niggas when it comes to the way that we respect our women and we can do better i guarantee you that we can do better but we're doing pretty good in comparison to other places for sure we really hold it down you know i be telling my friends all the time my homegirls and other places man if you want a husband go go to dc we actually like our black women (laughs) you know in la there's this thing all my women friends tell me all the time like they don't like black women here they only like white women and spanish women they want you to or if you are black you got to look like karuchi or mixed and quote-unquote exotic you know we like shit we love our <laughs> our girls be wearing locks they be wearing head wraps and shit or they wear the little bundles and weaves and shit and everything like that we love them all I be telling my DC niggas like, man, you need to go out to LA. You'll make a killing. <laughs> they love us. They love you, I promise. Cause you actually appreciate them for themselves. And a lot of times people just want somebody who cool, you know? But I'm kind of rambling right now. I don't want to get too far off because I, I know I have a tendency to do that, you know? But going back to this idea, just like I said, being from here. There's so many things that you learn. Like I said, you you learn quickly, very quickly about street politics and stuff like that. But you learn about the little things too, like how to just have fun. Like go-go's are fun. Go-go music is fun. It's it's real upbeat and live and exciting and up-tempo and people chop and beat their feet. Beating your feet is like a very specific type of dance. It's like how New York has, you know, getting light or light work or whatever, footwork, whatever the fuck they be doing and shit. Like, it's it's this real kind of offbeat, syncopated style of dance that they do to go-go. And it's so creative. It's like somebody could tell a whole story through dance, you know. I remember growing up, everybody wanted to start a band. Everybody, like... Nobody wanted to be a rapper. My brother was a rapper, which was really rare at that time, you know, in 2006-ish kind of shit, you know. Wale was one of the first people who came through who was really, like, rapping on a commercial level, like, out here. And people was recognizing, like, I want to rap too, you know. He was lyrical. He's what you call a backpack nigga, like a backpack rapper very different from old school traditional dc rappers who the few who there were because everybody wanted to sound like scarface but i remember when like hearing wale he was like the go-go rapper his first two songs was like dig dug and uh ice cream or ice cream girl or some shit like that right and, uh, it's just funny because those two songs were so big because he was spitting this lyrical shit but it was over a go-go beat and most niggas who make go-go songs can't rap very well (laughs) it's just it's because it's not about the rap it's about the party it's about the energy it's about controlling the crowd and keeping them in it you know 
But here was Wale doing some real lyrical crazy shit that opened up a whole new wave of shit for like rappers down the line who really came afterwards, you know. Uh, my brother was one of those people during that time who had like really good credibility doing it too, you know. My brother was on Sway in the Morning, he was in Complex Magazine, he was in Double XL. Uh, he was on Shade 45, it's just uh, all different types of shit, like, and he was just one of many, there was so many good DMV rappers, I remember when I was coming up in, like, high school and shit like that, it was people like Uptown XO and Kingpin Slim, Rada MC, Phila Day, I mean, the list goes on, and I mean, and then there was different functions and shit, because then you also had people like Booby, and Garvey the Chosen One, and, like, all these different folks, like, so you had, like, your, your, your Southeast rappers, and you had your U Street rappers, U Street was, like, one kind of scene, and then you had, like, a Southside scene that was, like, real, like, gutter type shit, and, like, it was, like, lyrical versus, like, street shit, but either way, they was making waves, they was making impacts, um, and I think the only thing that didn't really put the city on like an Atlanta or somebody else like that was just the lack of unity. Because one thing about the DMV area is they, they say it's a city full of uh, crabs in a barrel. It's like when one person makes it up, everybody tries to pull them down. You know, when Wale made it like that, trust and believe, everybody wasn't happy for him. He was the first one to break through. It was a lot of people who felt like... Man, he not representing the city right here on his backpack. Shit, his skinny jean shit, man. You know, DC hard. These niggas wearing, you know, like they was on their shit. And it's sad because for every one that comes up, there's another to combat that, you know. We had a dude named Fat Trail. He was like the first real, like, street rapper in that time that was getting the real acclaim besides like booby booby was had videos that was on mtv and shit like that and he was completely self-funded and he was like a real street nigga so you know but he was also like it, you only knew him if you knew him for real for real but fat trail was like in the blog scene type shit and he was getting it as a street nigga he was kind of fucking with wale's camp at that time too ended up getting signed to rick ross and that was a thing but then because of the way the streets work that trail wasn't you know the most liked person because he was really out here back in the day <laughs> and uh it was some folks who didn't like him and one of the folks who didn't like him was a dude named shot glizzy who's also nationally known now but that was a huge thing shot glizzy was one of the first people to really like come out and publicly like this fat trail on some like i don't fuck with you we don't rock with you we more real than y'all in the city and it, it, it turned into like real beefs um and you know shy glizzy's family was really out here like that too so this it was like and, you know there's always been these kind of things like i don't know how to explain it's just like a either you was in it or you not like i was never into the streets but i just understood uh, the whole music game because i was doing music videos that's how i first started getting into filmmaking was doing music videos and the person i was doing music videos for was tabby bonet who was like the only other commercial rapper on a like national scale who was like getting 
real acclaim other than Wale. Actually, before Wale. And then Wale came right after and just had a bigger career for real, you know. But, um, yeah, man, it, it, it's it's crazy the way that this whole culture works. It's like that same idea of crabs in a barrel that played into the hip-hop scene is everyday shit with, like, fashion and go-go. Like, you got the go-go culture and you know, people throwing up they set and joint and everything else like that. And somebody see you throw up a set that they don't like and they got real beef. And don't get me twisted. Some of that shit is real street beef, but a lot of that shit is jealousy. It's jealousy between bands. It's jealousy between girls. It's jealousy between shit. Crabs in a barrel. You know? Me growing up wearing Kmart shit and whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, crabs in a barrel. It is because it's like the next person wants to be fresher. So, you know, it's like you got to know how to join. That's what we call other places call shit, you know, cutting up or whatever the fuck, you know, making fun of each other, playing the dozens, all that type shit. But D.C. has a very unique way of joining on each other is what we call it. You know what I'm saying? And (laughs) if you can't dress, you got to have something. You got to be funny. You got to have a talent. You got to be able to play a sport. You got to something to survive because everybody's always doing something that's going to get you caught up and people be joining on each other and all that type of shit. <laughs> that used to be my worst fear growing up. I was always afraid somebody was going to make fun of me. Maybe it's because of the fact that people were always joining on me, you know, People just be having a bad day. I remember I would go to school sometimes as a kid and people just randomly start making fun of my afro or my pants. They'd be high water because they was hand-me-downs or I grew out of them or something like that. Or my shoes because they were shacks so they were no names or whatever. And Like I say, it's a, it's a very... So this is another part of D.C. culture too, right? Being from the DMV the way they joan is different like they'll really stay on you until you about to cry sometimes and it's just a part of the culture. i don't know what it is it's just a part of the culture they'll really be on some shit like boy little ankle big foot small neck big head boy oh my god where the fuck you shop at the goodwill like shit boy what the fuck is that that's not no real north face what is that that is not North Face. This is like they'll be like they'll call out anything like, and they'll just keep going, keep going, and they start getting to the head asses, you know. They boy, your old dusty boot head ass, boy, your old whatever the fuck head ass, blah 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 blah, and it's just like, it sounds ridiculous and funny now talking about the shit, but I'm telling you, it nobody likes to be the butt of somebody else's joke. I know this happens from every hood to hood to hood to hood, but I feel like the DMV in particular was so, like, it's traumatic. It's actually traumatic, you know? And that type of stuff probably did mess with my confidence in a way that I don't know if I'll ever recover from because if that's a deeply rooted part of D.C. culture, the idea that people will be joning all crazy and, 
if fashion is a deeply rooted part of DC culture that you got to be fly and I couldn't afford to be quote unquote fly growing up. Right. And being street smart and, 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 and all that type of shit is a part of being a real nigga from DC, you know? And I wasn't in the streets. I wasn't street smart. I played video games with my cousin in the house. I went to private school at some point, so I didn't hang out with neighborhood kids. When I was hanging out with neighborhood kids, it was like they was mean to me. And I, and some, even though I moved schools, it, it, it almost felt like a like you couldn't hang, which to me was just like more of a relief, you know. But all of those things play a role on your confidence. It does. It plays a role on how you think of yourself. It plays a role on whether you think you can talk to girls or not and they'll accept you. It plays a role on how you see yourself when you look in the mirror. You know? And those things that may have played those roles when I was younger in my level of you know self-identity and shit like that only through my own experiences of travel and moving around did I start to become more proud of being from the area I'm from because you start getting to other places and realizing y'all niggas are corny. <laughs> you know, you start hearing that accent because you've never heard the accent before because everybody talks like you. And now you stand out somewhere else and people are like, your voice is so unique. And you're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that, babe. You know, I say, Uri. <laughs> you know, I say mothers with a V. It's not like you trying extra hard to be anything that you're not, but people recognize it. And it's something that they like and they acknowledge. And that boosts your confidence, you know. The same way that you dress at home and people was joning on you for and make it funny for and everything else like that, you know. You go other places and they like you fly, whatever the case may be, this and that. And then you start to realize when you go back home too, like, wait a minute, all y'all was just wearing the same thing. I got my own flair to it and it's still some DC shit, but it's different. Y'all was wearing the same things as the next person to avoid getting joned on. It was a, a, a safety mechanism. Just stay safe. Just stay neutral. Get the same things everybody else got. Blend in. I always stood out. Standing out at home became dangerous because you can get made fun of or picked on, looked at as a target or even some other shit. Just the idea of you look like you're not from around the way. That could also make you a target in a physical sense, you know. But then you go out to other places and you moving around in different states and shit like that. They like, yo, you unique. I, I, I never seen nobody dressed like you. I never heard nobody talk like you. I never. And in the moral part of it, like I say, we learn street ethics and shit like that naturally. So your outlook start spreading like wildfire. You meet people who might have a naturally kind of grimy new york attitude and you start to teach them about community because you see that that individual person is a good person and you just challenge them and question like bro why move like that you know you don't gotta move like that bro i got you what you need 
and you show that loyalty up front and you end up making lifelong friends because they like, man, you a good nigga, bro. And I'm like, man, I know six just like me. You got to get out more, man. Y'all y'all can be different up here. But the areas be different. They outlooks be different as a whole. They don't. It's like eat or be eaten. So you in New York and you're a New Yorker and you want to show love and do all that type of shit. And the average New York nigga be grimy or selfish or whatever the fuck and all that type of stuff. Then, then what? You going to get ate up. So it's like you got to adjust and learn how to move the same way. Like I never judge anybody from the like I, I might be talking a little harsh right now when I say certain things about certain cities and they outlooks and shit like that. But it's only because of where I'm from. But I don't judge because I understand you have to survive in the city you from. So me and my barber have a lot of conversations about like the structure of L.A. culture and how this shit came to be and like all these kind of things. And it's like a matter of like, yo, no matter how much what you saying sounds beautiful, it sounds good. Other niggas are never going to get with that shit. They reference it all the time. They say, man, Nipsey got killed. I be telling them about certain shit. About the way that we just think and move and all this other type of stuff. And it sounds good, but they like, man, that sounds like how Nipsey was. Even he got killed. So fuck that other shit. Stay dangerous. And it's just sad that it has to be like that, you know? But I, I understand it and I respect it. I'm not judging. I just know that I'm really proud to be where I'm from. And I see the impact that it's made. I see the impact that it's made on me as a storyteller, you know? As a, a human being, as an individual. And a lot of that stuff probably has more to do with my personal family than it does the area I'm from. But then that also kind of gets negated because my family is from the area. So when I think of people like my oldest brother, Ahmad, and he's just one of the realest people I've ever known, you know. He's dropped so many gems on me. My father's dropped so many gems on me everybody's dropped so many gems and it's just like they're equally a product of this area as I am you know I told a story in an earlier episode about my father taking me to a alleyway in Anacostia I think it was I was a kid and he was showing like you know you can live like this you can live like that took me to the gold coast first all the money's over there then he took me to the alleyway turn off the lights highly irresponsible for that <laughs> with a <laughs> what the fuck was i six or seven year old you know watch the niggas walk off and i'm like why are they walking off he said because they don't know what we're gonna do do you want to live looking over your back the rest of your life or not you know and that type of shit i, I just can't imagine if my father was from iowa he could have taught me those same lessons you know in the same type of way i don't imagine my oldest brother telling me shit like you know i don't care if you lie to the whole world don't ever lie to yourself or you know don't never touch a gun if you're not man enough to use it you don't want to fuck with no guns it's not you if he was from fucking i don't know north dakota (laughs) 
I don't think you have the context, you know? This is my opinion. Maybe he could. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know about Idaho or North Dakota or a lot of places. That's why I'm I'm so excited to travel and just learn. But I know I'm aware that D.C. with me everywhere that I go. It's going to be on my back, you know? And it's, it's, it's a habit. It really is a habit saying D.C. Partially probably because it sounds cooler, too, like I mentioned earlier and just now. But mostly because it really is just like I, I really haven't been living in the DMV for a minute. So it's just what we did. Like, you know, oh yeah, D.C., not PG. But I'm very proud to be from PG County. I'm very proud of the privilege that I've had growing up in suburbs you know even when we was poor and i say was like as if we're not still poor because <laughs> we're definitely still poor <laughs> categorically speaking my family is poor it's okay there's nothing it's not a curse word we are you know it's just a social economic status but even when we were in our lowest points of being poor and shit like that, it was still suburban. It is it's still suburban. It still comes with better education systems. A lot of times than DC County, I mean, DC public schools, you know, PG County public schools wasn't much better, but it was all right. I went to the, one of the best out of them at Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, Granted, I had that fake address, but it, you could tell the education is different. It probably gave me the access to the opportunities that I had in saying I'm going to go to college. It wasn't easy. I didn't just skate right into college. I, I went to Bowie State <laughs> at first, you know, but it was still like it's college, bro. It's college. I don't know if I would have been able to do the exact same and move in the same way if I was in other schools with way more distractions and way more bullshit on a consistent basis, you know, I just don't, I don't know. <sighs> but over here yawning, like I said, it's goddamn now it's three twenty three. <laughs> Shit is crazy out here. I'm gonna wrap this up soon, but, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Being from this area, just. I don't know how much I went back in the days. I guess I did. I, it, this this is back based on not so much specific stories, but just back into the foundations of what made me, you know. The foundations of 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 home, because I'm, I'm I come back home maybe once. A year nowadays you know or twice usually for the holidays covid happened and when covid happened i really haven't been back at all but you know this is a rarity so it's crazy when i get a phone call and my man is like yeah come in town you know whatever and it's hard because you know it wasn't necessarily an expectation to just come back but it always feels so good i'm in a hotel right now but it feels so good seeing Washington Nationals hats and Wizards jerseys and Redskins gear, Washington football gear, you know, all that type of stuff. Like today I was shooting for a player 
who's actually just got picked up by the Washington football team. His name is Jared Patterson. And, you know, of course, we have Chase Young, who just came to the Washington football team last year. Jared Patterson and, and, and Chase Young are, like, almost best friends. They grew up together since, like, eighth grade, training together and all that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And It's a hometown story. It's special. We, we, we fuck with us so hard. And that's the crazy part about it. That's what it really... I think the the moral of this episode is that even with everything that the DMV has instilled in me early on and played a role in my sense of self-identity and everything like that, it still rides with me now. And I'm always rooting for us. When I'm out of town in any other city or somebody from D.C., I ride for them. What you need, bro? I got you. We family. Oh, I'm going to hold it down. And vice versa. It's like we grow so, we we be so close to it. And it's not just me. It's everybody who be from the DMV. We sniff each other out in any city, any world, <laughs> any country. We're going to sniff each other out. We see you. It's like, oh, what's up? You you from back home? Oh, my man. And we really, it's, it's just, a, it's that same sense of community. It's like, if you from here, I know you because I'm from here as well. And you build lifelong friendships off of shit like that in completely different places, you know, because we take pride in that sense of identity, you know. And to this day, I just there's a little piece of D.C. in everything that I do, you know. I don't know, man, I just um. I'm going to end it like this. I got love for the DMV. The DMV is in my heart. It's in my soul. It's in my experiences. It's molded me. But I really don't want to be a local nigga. That's not talking down on anybody else who's from here or decided to stay in the area or anything like that. But I just feel like there's so much more to see in the world. And there's access. See all these people on Instagram traveling all the time. I'm in Bora Bora. I'm in Peru. I'm in Bali. I'm in Dubai. I'm in whatever the fuck. And they be on these little trips and shit like that. And it'd be just a stunt. But I really want to go embrace the culture of all of these different places if I can. And just see what the world has to offer. And I don't mind taking DC with me. In fact, I'm going to bring DC with me everywhere I go. But I never wanted to be a local dude. I've always wanted to just be universal with it and just go ham, man. So that's what I plan to do. I plan to remain the same nigga I've always been. Thorough. 
see y'all on the other side. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was just a little nigga, bro. I looked up to my bigger bro, begged if I could kick it. So when he went out with girls, I could go tagging along, nagging. If she had a sis, maybe could mac a baby hood rat. Y'all remember way back then when it was 1985 all the way live. I think I was about 10. One of those happy little niggas singing the blues that be always trying to bag with the shag.